Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on PS5. I've said before on the show that I've shown up to game series late in the party. But showing up to the ninth mainline installation of a game series is like showing up to a party that was over a week ago. Better late than never, though. But how did it turn out? Let's get into that with 2021's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Now, cartoon mascot platformers left me behind years ago, and it was an amicable divorce. The last type of game like this I played that I enjoyed, or really played at all, was Jack and Daxter 2, which was basically Grand Theft Disney. And like I said, this is game number nine in the series. So if I say something that contradicts whatever deep lore these characters that you love so much have, then kiss my ass. This is a one-off. So why did I bother here? Well, I wasn't going to. I figured this was just wasn't my thing. And since my time, like everyone's time in this life, is limited, I wasn't going to waste it on something that was just not for me. That was until I watched a little Let's Play game footage online, thanks to the random god machine that is YouTube's algorithm. That footage not only looked fun, but it was one of the rare games that felt like it actually utilized the power available to the PS5. Yes, I hear you, computer tech people. I'm sure your PC running the latest GT XYZ 123 My Asshole Raw graphics card makes this game running on a console look like Mother Teresa taking a post-Taco Bell and gallon of gin lunch hot wet shit on starving orphans by comparison, but I couldn't give a fuck less. I look for ease of use and less bullshit between myself and my dwindling free time activities. Plus, it did look a lot like a very pretty Jack and Daxter, too. Anyway, with that pop culture time capsule referenced more than once already in this review, it's time to do my usual somewhat witty and, more importantly, brief overview of this individual game's story within this overarching series. Why not a retrospective, you ask? Because unfortunately for me, I'm neither a charismatic nor beloved YouTube or podcast game analyst with thousands of breathless, excited fans, nor someone with the ability and time and patience to nitpick the subject for three hours, so I'll have to do my best with what I have available. Self-deprecating humor aside, let's dive in. Sometime after the events of Into the Nexus, a game I've never played or knew existed until I was looking at the plot overview here, our heroes Ratchet, a strange Pixar-looking marsupial called Lombax, and his robot AI partner Clank, whom Ratchet wears like a backpack, are being celebrated as galactic do-gooders in their megacity, which is hosted by a group of Adventure Time knockoffs I'm sure I had to be there from the beginning to find significant to the story. During the celebration, Clank reveals to Ratchet that he has repaired a device called the Dimensionator, which can tear holes in the space-time continuum so that Ratchet can possibly find his real home and his people, which I am to understand has never happened now across nine games. Into this touching moment comes Dr. Nefarious, the series antagonist in comic relief. As all of this is just referential material itself to 1950s goofy-ass sci-fi mystery science theater 3000 fodder anyway, 
and causes havoc in the form of rampaging robots, whom the pair shatter into collectible bolts and health items. During the chaos, Ratchet fires the Dimensionator and sends Ratchet, Clank, and Dr. Nefarious hurtling through time and space, where the device breaks and separates the three. Ratchet is lost and finds a different little robot friend named Kit, who wears a red bow and claims to be a warbot created by Emperor Nefarious, this timeline's version of the antagonist, who rules the galaxy with an iron fist. The actual Emperor has disappeared, and since Dr. N looks and sounds just like him, he assumes the position as Emperor. Clank, however, winds up on another planet, a Dark City counterpart, where he is missing an arm and gets picked up by Rivet, under the Lombax and our gender-swapped robotic arm second main character for this game. Rivet does not trust robots, so thinks Clank is one of the Emperor's toys, and plans to go off-planet to interrogate him. Ratchet, in searching for Clank with dimension powers, sees Rivet making off with Clank, and he runs into the resistance force against the Emperor, all of whom are alternate universe versions of the secondary characters the characters know. The Resistance gifts him with an AI called Glitch to be able to chase Rivet across space. Rivet learns what she can from Clank after repairing his memories and learns the truth of the Dimensional Rift and repairs his communicator to contact Ratchet and the team-up can begin. And by team-up, I mean the members of this confederacy will never actually interact on screen besides cutscenes, but will be able to be switched between depending on which planet they go to in their quest to find the parts to repair the Dimensionator and set things right. The next several missions are spent repairing this time-space device, only to have it stolen away by the new Emperor Nefarious. But it is then that the real Emperor Nefarious shows up and takes the device from his alternate dimension doctor, who he banishes and then traps them and their resistance friends in yet more dimensions. It is at this point that Rivet and Kit team up, and Rivet, who has a metal arm, reveals that she lost her natural arm to a warbot, and Kit realizes that she was responsible for this. The pair learn of the dimensional map that can help set things right, hidden in another dimensional pocket. But the original Emperor, who is now keeping Dr. Nefarious as a pet, banishes them with the device. Ratchet and Clank, now reunited, find the map but are also banished by the Emperor, and the game devolves into cute sight gags and more trying to escape rifts and time jumps while returning to the concept of Grand Theft Disney, 18 years later, and with different looking main characters, but with the same energy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, as they say. The game ends when the team comes together, with the help of Dr. Nefarious, who is mad about how his alternate self treated him, and comes together to defeat Emperor Nefarious after he decides to start invading other dimensions with the Dimensionator, starting with Ratchet and Clank's homeworld. The group defeats the Emperor and banishes him to his demise, stopping the dimensional cataclysm. Then Ratchet and Clank hang around long enough to help Rivet and Kit repair all the damage Emperor Nefarious did, and repair the time-space continuum damage, and hang out a bit as friends. Which is the way this very family-friendly tale ends. Developer Insomniac Games had decided to make Rift Apart an easily accessible game to both new players and longtime fans. And well, I guess it worked because here I am talking about it. I did feel rather out of the loop at the beginning, 
not having known previous characters, but that quickly melted away once the game really got going. Now, I am to understand this is more of a direct sequel to the 2016 Ratchet and Clank remake, more than a series continuation. But then again, I'm not sure how correct that is. I know, this is a weird review with lots of blanks for me to fill in. But again, I'm not going to fill those in. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Maybe if there's a sequel, I might play it. Maybe not. This game did present a few things that made it a surprise. Couldn't put it down sort of game. First, goddamn this thing was fast, yet somehow precise. On the first level in the Mega City Hero Parade, I did feel like I was slipping and sliding around, getting my footing compared to a lot of other slower starting games I'd grown used to. But that was a minor issue. Once I was in the groove of the game play loop, I was zoned in. Combat is a lightning-like affair, but it is tight. The primary attack functions is gunplay of some sort, mostly machine guns or some sort of science fiction toy and explosives, all of which are upgradable. But you can very easily switch in and or add your melee attacks should the robot horde get past your hail of bullets. And holy shit, there are a lot of guns for a cartoon game. It was like a cute and cuddly Doom mod, where all the cyber demons got replaced by balloons with smiley faces on them, and you get a squeaky hammer to augment your death machines. Beyond that, you can collect pieces of armor or outfits, head, torso, and legs, to gain benefits from the environmental suit you're wearing, or mix and match for some fun fashion choices. Plus, the rocket skates you get can make the map traversal much easier than walking or the little jog that the main character does. Speaking of maps, the game is wide, but not anywhere near as bad as a lot of open-world games of the last decade. Yes, there are secrets to find, but these small rewards all feel purposeful and worthwhile to get, instead of things like useless cosmetics or capture-the-flag bullshit. The game is not necessarily linear, but you can select within reason what order you want to tackle the missions, and the game doesn't leave you stuck somewhere you can't handle because you don't have the right equipment yet. So already Rift Apart carved out all the crap I despise about open-world games, but expanded beyond a simple platforming game into more of a breezy third-person chaos shooter with nary a drop of blood. That's great, actually. Not everything needs to be a gritty misery fest dripping with gore. It's a family-friendly robot destruction game that's easy to get into. Not to say Insomniac doesn't fall prey to open-world issues, but we'll talk about Spider-Man and the digital New York landscape another time. I'm just saying Rift Apart, they got it right, at least for me. Not to say everything was sunshine and lollipops. The puzzle sections within Clank's memories trying to unlock certain story moments were annoying, but they weren't bad, per se. I'm not a puzzle player, and I was able to beat these puzzles, so it's not like the difficulty curve is high if I can beat an in-game puzzle. But they did bring the progress to a jarring halt within the few times that they occurred. If that is the only real complaint I have about this game, then it's gone above and beyond to get in my good graces. I'm not counting the story, which is fairly predictable and by the numbers full of sight gags and plot points that, as an adult, I can see coming a mile off. But it was designed that way from the ground up, so it is not a negative, 
just something to be aware of for potential customers. Critics gave Rift Apart generally favorable to very good reviews, with a lot of compliments towards the game's visuals. One even likening it to a quote-unquote playable Pixar. Well, it certainly is that. The addition of the variety of worlds and settings helps make each new stage truly stand out from each other, even if the combat loop and abilities stay the same. The sales for the game were recorded as over 3 million by its second calendar year, but we only know this because of a ransomware attack Insomniac suffered because some criminals decided they needed to make public this knowledge. Yes, I know such attacks are really about company and employee information and reselling it all on the dark web, should a company not pay up. But I really don't get these shit, what these shitheads think leaking game information will actually do. But then again, I generally don't side with criminal scum. Not like that's a hot take or anything. But the game itself sold quite well, sometimes competing only against Insomniac's Spider-Man Miles Morales in its release category. But what can I say as someone who has come to this series for the first time many years after it began. Well, for what it is, it is really, really damn good. Look, there was a time when colorful character-driven mascot platformers were the majority driving force of the industry. I can certainly remember the console war between Nintendo and Sega, between Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog. And for years afterward, just about every company tried and either failed or mostly sort of succeeded to try and come up with its own mascot, say Crash Bandicoot, Gex, Croc, Alex Kidd, or Christ help us, Bubsy. There are many more, either tied to a console or tied to a studio. Most were either side-scrolling or jumped into 3D action games as soon as they could. I'm not saying they were bad, they just weren't my thing. And of course, as I've referenced before, Jack and Daxter. And that was what really brought me in, despite the fluid graphics that push the hardware boundaries and ease of use. I do believe nostalgia for the one mascot action game that actually drew me in long ago was what made the final decision here. And technically, that game was a sequel that went in a hard left direction far away from its original intent when the early years of the gritty remake and update were starting. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart gave me a sense that this was an updated Jack and Daxter 2. Finally, a mascot action platformer game I could get behind, because I had already gotten behind something similar. I simply cannot compare it on its own merits, because, for me, there are no unique points that this game offered that I cannot otherwise see as a callback to a game from 2003. And as I have stated, this is not really a bad thing. But as an outsider to the mascot action platformer game genre, I am absolutely not the right person to discuss the merits and flaws of a game like this. I know that. But I'm going to anyway, because I feel it is important. Is this a worthwhile game? Oh yes, absolutely. I fully recommend this title. Maybe it will be for the reasons you're looking for. Maybe not. Probably not, in fact. But yes, this is a good game. Did I understand what was going on in the context of this individual game? Yes. But I was completely out of the, it in the larger context of the game series. I'm sure there were references and callbacks I didn't get, 
I didn't know these characters, mostly the secondary ones, or why I should have cared. But then again, ninth game in a decades-long series. Ah, but then yet again, it was designed, so the developers said, to be accessible to those new to the game series. And for me, not so much, guys, but good try. So I have a strong feeling that this is likely going to be my only Ratchet & Clank game. But what a game to get introduced with and leave on. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is certainly a game that came out, and a substantial outing for the PS5. I think Insomniac's Spider-Man games were far more memorable, which I don't know what that says about a licensed game versus a wholly owned property. Since these have been my only experiences with Insomniac as a developer, I cannot say if they had a great success or great failure, if they are good or bad, or if I just got lucky in the games that they have created that I chose to play. If this game is any hint as to the quality of their catalog, then good on them, and I wish them continued success, which I'm sure they will have. But that's okay. Not every game we play needs to be a masterpiece and a unique experience. Nor do we need to have followed the game series from the start to have fun with the final product. I can't say I'll be on board with Insomniac or Ratchet & Clank for all of what is coming, but I'll enjoy my portion of the ride while it lasts. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad, Keith Gasper, Orden Wells, and Mass Lama for being patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.